Welcome back. It is another week here on the Welcome to the Jungle podcast. Justin Cashman, Alex Frank here with you as the Bengals, I'm going to try to sing this here, Justin, are getting set to take the midnight train to South Detroit. That sounded pretty good, I think. The Bengals are getting ready to take on the Lions this Sunday from Ford Field in Detroit. One o'clock kickoff. On Sunday, Bengals 3-2, and two, Lions 0-5. And, and Justin, I get the sense that there might be this fear, and that's called a letdown. The Lions are 0-5. Bengals are 3-2, and two, coming off a tough loss to the Packers. But as you heard Zach Taylor say Wednesday in his weekly Wednesday press conference, when you pop on the tape, the Lions don't look like an 0-5 football team, and I agree with him. I watched their game last week against Minnesota, and I also watched their Monday night game against Green Bay, and I saw a team that was fighting, clawing, competing. I mean, this Lions team has been in several games this season. They just haven't been able to finish them. So, Justin, what can the Bengals—so, Justin, do you worry, first off, of this being a letdown game for the Bengals, but how do they prevent that from happening? I think in any other year, I would say this is a trap game for the Bengals. I mean, you're going up against an 0-5 team, but you mentioned it. They do not look like they're 0-5. They're not bottom five in almost any statistical category in the entire NFL. Um, But the Bengals just have to go out there and do what they've been doing all year, and that is playing great defense. And if their offense is a step up and actually reach their full potential, which we haven't seen them do yet, um, in any game, it would be this game. And the Detroit Lions are one of the most beaten-up teams in the entire NFL. But, you know, you think about the games that they played this year. Lost by a field goal to Minnesota, which was a very good game. If it weren't for a record-setting field goal kick by Justin Tucker, they would have beat the Ravens, which would have been an incredible win. Played very hard uh, in prime time against Green Bay. Ended up losing 35-17, but it didn't really look like like that the entire first half. A 10-point loss to the Bears. but So they've been playing very very hard in these games and I think if they're if the Bengals were to prevent losing this game it's like I said play great defense because the Lions really have almost to no weapons on offense at this point I mean their team is so injury riddled I mean they have Jared Goff obviously in that trade from the Rams so you have your quarterback but if you have no one to throw it to then that's not going to help you very much TJ Hawkinson is actually dealing with a I believe an ankle injury this week so it's up in the air as to whether or not he's going to play but their wide receivers, their best wide receiver, who is leading the team in receiving yards, uh, as far from wide receivers, Quentin Cephas, is on IR with a collarbone injury. Um, and then their other uh, wide receivers here, I'll list them off for you. Amon Ross St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, Tom Kennedy. I mean, we should not be worried about any of these guys. And if our defense, our secondary, can play as good as they played all year, then it's really not much to worry about. But just being a kind of pessimistic Bengals fan sometimes, I mean, you go into this game and say, the Lions... They want to win so badly. I mean, you look back to last week's post-game press conference uh, and Dan Campbell, their head coach, and he's crying. He's so emotional because he wants to win so bad. And when you're an NFL head coach and you see all the hard work that your players put in on a day-to-day basis and you go into all these games and you're keeping it close and then you just lose by a field goal or just lose um, kind of in a silly way, I mean, it's very frustrating. So if you think that they're coming into this game and think that, you know, they're not going to give us uh, very much effort against the Cincinnati Bengals because they're already 0-5 and Obviously, they're not going to have any chance of making the playoffs, and you're completely wrong because this is a team and a coach that wants to win more than any 
team or head coach in the entire NFL right now. I can agree with that. And you mentioned all the injuries the Lions have and who they still have. Amon Ross St. Brown's a guy that I think you have to give some respect. He's a good possession receiver. I saw some good things from him against Minnesota last week. But you're right, Justin. And then um, today, uh, the Lions moving Corey Ballantine to Ballantine to injured reserve corner with a hamstring injury. Uh, yesterday, uh, practicing in limiting was uh, Amani Oruwarie. I think I got that right. Uh, limited with a hip injury yesterday. Trey Flowers limited yesterday with a knee injury. Linebacker DeAndre Swift, one of their two running backs, limited uh, with a groin with a groin injury. You mentioned Hawkinson was limited yesterday. Jamal Williams, um, he's questionable. And then you look at all the other injuries. Taylor Decker just came off injured reserve, so that's a plus for them. But Jonah Jackson, their guard's questionable. Quintus Cephas, you mentioned Frank Ragnow is on injured reserve. Tyrell Williams isn't is on injured reserve. Romeo Okwara, uh, with an Achilles injury revealed on his Instagram, or announced on his Instagram account Wednesday, October 6th, that he scheduled for surgery last week. So there is just so much um, unfortunate injuries going on with this football team, and you do feel for them, and you do feel for Dan Campbell, like you said, Justin. I Here's a guy it was so easy to make fun of in the offseason when he said, oh, we're going to bite your kneecaps and this and that in his introductory press conference, but I'll tell you this much. And I think we kind of saw it um, in week one. You know, they're down 41-17 in San Francisco, and they did not quit. They put themselves back into the game. You, you, were, you talk about their Monday night performance against Green Bay. That's a team that I don't think the Lions punted in the second half of that game. It was just uh, there was a turnover on downs, an interception, a fumble, whatever it was. The Lions had three drives, Justin, against Chicago in week four inside the 10-yard line, and they did not come away with points. So it's not like they're just a bad football team. They just can't finish. They just can't execute. And for a team that is in a rebuild, despite having a veteran quarterback who has been to a Super Bowl more on him later in the show, it's fr- it has to be frustrating for the Lions. It has to be. Because I do think Dan Campbell has brought some tangible tangible improvements and progress to this team and organization through the first five weeks for a team and organization that has been beaten down so much since what, 1993? I think that was their last playoff win. So, you know, I understand the frustration coming out of the organization. Justin, with this matchup, um, brings back the draft day debate of Team Chase or Team Sewell. You and I are both in favor of the Bengals drafting Jamar Chase, which they did. Fifth overall, two picks later, the Lions drafted Panay Sewell at number seven. And so that instantly made you realize that we were going to get a matchup between Chase with the Chase and the Bengals against Sewell and the Lions. And that's what we have this week. Jamar Chase has been absolutely spectacular through the first five weeks of this season. Potentially, and I think he is the front runner for offensive rookie of the year. Panay Sewell has been up and down, but he's playing on an 0-5 team. Justin, I'm sure that you don't regret you wanting the Bengals to draft Jamar Chase. So let's talk about what we've seen from Jamar Chase through the first five weeks of the season and how much he brings to this offense. An element, Justin, that this team has been lacking for years, taking the top off the defense. But the key word for me is effortlessly taking the top off the defense. Exactly. And when's the last time that you saw 
and, you know, Andy Dalton in the first year with Zach Taylor in 2019 or uh, either last year, you know, Dalton or Burrow scrambling out of the pocket and the offensive line actually giving him a lot of time to look down the field and then finding a, you know, a deep guy down the field and especially scoring a touchdown. I mean, that is not something we've been accustomed to over the past four or five years because you quite simply just haven't had that deep threat. AJ Green wasn't the same toward the end of his career with the Bengals. Obviously he had a lot of injury problems and he started to show his age in the last season with the Bengals. I mean, now he's having a pretty solid year with the Cardinals, but you just didn't have that guy. Tyler Boyd is more of a you know possession catch guy, third down guy, and he's not really a uh, you know take the top off the defense. T. Higgins has shown that he can do that a little bit, but you know he's been dealing with some injuries, and so we haven't been able to see if he's been able to improve on that. But yeah, what Jamar Chase brings to this team is just versatility, and we've talked about it in almost every single show. Is be is to be able to be unpredictable as far as you know offensive scheming goes, because if you're unpredictable then you can score 30, 40-plus points a game. But the last time that this team scored 30 points or more in a game was last year, Week 16, or I believe it was Week 16, against the Houston Texans. And they have not crossed that 30-point threshold since then. So even though we have that deep threat guy in Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, all these guys, all these weapons on offense, this offense has not clicked at all. And I know I've said this several times. I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but this offense clearly has not reached their full potential. And I think this is a game that they could very easily do that because they're so thin at corner the Detroit Lions are, especially missing the third overall pick last year, uh, Jeffrey Okuda, due to, a, I believe, a ruptured Achilles that he suffered against the San Francisco 49ers. So you think about how thin they already are at corner. So if there is a game for the Bengals in this offense to take advantage of another team's defense and go for 30-plus points and 400 you know, 400, 450 plus yards of offense, this is going to be the game. And I, quite frankly, if they don't do that, I think I might be a little concerned. If they come out and have conservative play calling and uh, make some, uh, you know, run the ball on third and fives like they did with Samaj P. Ryan last week, then I'm going to come out very concerned because this is a game that they have all of the possibilities in the world to dominate on offense and defense, but especially offense. And so I think it's going to be very concerning if they're not able to do that. Um, but yeah, Jamar Chase has been, I mean, it, it's insane the difference that it makes from last year to this year just from one guy. Because we already said we had Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. You know, how much better can you get from that? Did, did, did they even need another wide receiver? And they took him. And it actually showed that we did need that, that extra piece because that was something we were missing. And I don't think that we knew how bad it was until we actually got Chase and when we started to say, okay, we were actually missing him a lot and missing that deep ball threat down the field. Not only that, Justin, but you you look at the play, Jamar Chase's touchdown last week. Jonah Williams was excellent in pass protection on that play. And what's one thing that we always talked about in the offseason was great tackle play can make up for lackluster interior play on the offensive line. And we have seen that the tackles for this team are really good. Jonah Williams is really good. Riley Reef, you know, that veteran experience. He's, you know, he played with the Lions. He's played in the NFC North, and, you know, he's been really solid this season. So the offensive linemen are set, which is good. And we were comfortable in the, and the Bengals organization was confident in the, in the players they had on that offensive line that gave them the green light to draft Jamar Chase. Because what, what, what does it do if you surround your, if you surround your rookie quarterback with protection? That's one thing. 
But what does it do? What does it do if you have this great quarterback, but he can't throw the ball to any great receiver? It doesn't really, you know, mean anything. And that's why it was so important for the Bengals to give Joe Burrow this really, really good wide receiver. I mean, you look at what Jamar Chase did at LSU, 20 touchdowns in 15 games. That's 1.25. What is that? Um, my math skills are failing me here. 1.3 touchdowns a game. Pretty good. Belindikoff Award winner. And keep this in mind, Justin. He didn't play football last year. And then he goes through the preseason where he's dropping everything. In training camp, he's dropping everything. And people are getting concerned. And, you know, there's this national perception that, you know, Jamar Chase, whatever. But then he's been so good. Right now, he's fifth in, he's fifth in the NFL with five touchdowns. He's third in the NFL in yards per catch in 19.8. And he's seventh in receiving yards at 456. He's the fifth rookie in NFL history with at least 50 receiving yards in each of the first five games of his career, joining Terry Glenn, Terry McLaurin, CeeDee Lamb, and Earl McCullough. And he's doing this, by the way, at the age of 21. The only other player to put the numbers that he's putting up right now at the age of 21, Randy Moss. And Randy Moss is one of the best top five wide receivers to ever play in the NFL. So Jamar Chase has brought an element to this team that we have not seen since Chad Johnson. You know, when you look at when you look around the league and you see Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill or Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs or Tom Brady and any any of his weapons or I, I don't know, name, name me another, you know, great wide receiver, Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb or now all of a sudden Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown. You would think Baker and Odell Beckham would be in that class. All these teams with quarterback wide receiver combinations that can take the top off a of defense quick strike at any moment. That's what the Bengals have now with. Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. And you're seeing that effortless connection. And, I mean, it's amazing to me, A, Chase is not dropping anything, but he has dropped a pass. He did on Sunday against Green Bay. That's fine. It happens. But also, Joe Burrow is now all of a sudden really good at throwing the deep ball, as we have seen um, through the first five weeks of the season. But, Justin, here's the thing, and Paul Daner Jr. brought this up this week when he assessed the Bengals' offense and how they are underachieving. Because they're, the Bengals are, are good at the, the big plays, the quick strikes before halftime, but they can't seem to convert third and short. And maybe that's where this offense is being held back. And it is a concern because those are the plays that, you know, should be, you know, automatic. But they're running the ball, which you would think would be, you know, the smart play, which you would think would be, how do I say this, the simple play call. If you're thinking simply, you're thinking, okay, third and two, we can run the ball. Okay, you don't have Derrick Henry as your running back. You don't have that luxury. What you do have is Justin Joe Burrow. And it's why so many times on – it's why twice in the fourth quarter in overtime on Sunday, why are you running P. Ryan on third and five when you have Joe Burrow and all these weapons? Why are you running the ball on third and two when you can just hit Tyler Boyd on a button hook or a hitch or an out route, whatever it may be, or chase on a crossing route, whatever – why are why is it so difficult for this team to get the short yardage plays? I, I don't know what it is, and you know I, I don't want to discredit the work that our guards have done, but I don't think Trey Hopkins is playing up to you know what the level of play that we know that he can perform at. Um, Jackson Carmen, he's played very well, but you know he's still a rookie in this league and he's still learning. He still makes mistakes. Um, you know, despite having done a pretty decent job through his first few starts. Uh, Quentin Spain has been very solid, but he's not a top guard in the league. 
Um, I do think that he's played very well this year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, slam him, but this isn't one of the top interior offensive lines in the entire NFL. And I would love to see the percentage um, of first downs when the Bengals target Tyler Boyd on third downs. I would love to see that because I can guarantee it's very, very high and one of the top in the league for any quarterback targeting a slot receiver. Um, It's almost automatic. And I talked about it after the Jacksonville game, is that Tyler Boyd literally destroys these linebackers. A linebacker cannot cover Tyler Boyd. He's too fast. He's too quick. He he runs way too good of routes. And so when it's third and two, yeah, you could run it with Joe Mixon, who's been kind of injury-riddled the the past few years. Yeah, you could run it with Samaj P. Ryan. But are you really that comfortable doing that? Unless you have a two-score lead, then there's really no need to run the ball because you know that you can convert and score more points and even, you know, increase your lead. And you can even throw it down the field. Because if, if you want to be aggressive in this league, you can throw it on third and two down the field. If you don't get it, hey, you can go for it on fourth and two. Obviously, you don't want to do it on your own side of the field. But if you're on the opposing 40-yard line, the opposing you know 35-yard line, why not take a deep shot down the field? Because as we've seen this year, more often than not, you can actually convert that with Jamar Chase. And it's just I don't. It's just, I don't know if Zach Taylor's scared. I don't know if he's just worried that other guys are going to get hurt. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he just doesn't have the confidence in his interior off the line or Joe Burrow or uh, Joe Mixon or any of the wide receivers or whoever it may be. But take that deep shot down the field in the third and two because the the reward outweighs the risk, in my, in my, in, you know, in my opinion. Because if you go for it on fourth and two at the opposing 40, 35-yard line, and you don't get it, that's just saying, okay, well, I have confidence in my defense that we can get a stop. And if you can't be this confident going to a game against an 0-5 Detroit Lions team, which, you know, as we've said, are going to play very hard, and they've, you know, kept it close in a lot of these games, so I don't want to, you know, completely dismiss them. But they're 0-5 for a reason, because they're not very talented. They don't have very much talent at any position on the entire field. So be confident, be aggressive, be smart, though, but... We need to see Zach Taylor start being more and more aggressive because as the season gets harder and harder and, you know, as you get further on into the season, if you can't trust your quarterback and your defense, you know, to go for it on a short fourth and one or fourth and two, then they're going to be out of the playoffs before we can even blink. Yeah, this league has become a league where aggression wins. I mean, you watched the Chargers last week. Brandon Staley, first-year head coach, Justin Herbert, second-year quarterback, and yet, Justin, I see this team going forward on fourth and eight. Not fourth and two, fourth and eight. And, you know, the Bengals have the personnel to, as you said, Justin, I I think you bring up a great point here. It's not like on third and two, you just have to, you know, pass for the minimum to get a first down. No, you can take a deep shot because you have Jamar Chase. You can, you know, hit a deep crossing route over the middle with Tyler Boyd. You can go up the seam with CJ Uzama or do a jailbreak screen. This offense has the personnel to put up 30 points a game. And they're just simply, you know, as Mo Egger talked about earlier this week and you know, I've seen it too. There are just these long stretches in games, Justin, where they don't put up points. And, you know, they were able to make, they were able to come back from it against Jacksonville and win the game. And, you know, they were able to make a brief amount of of late comeback against Chicago. It came up a little bit short, but against a team like Baltimore or Cleveland or uh, the Chargers, you're not going to be able to do that. And we saw it, and we saw it against Green Bay. You know, the defense has been playing really well. They played very admirably against Green Bay, holding them to without a touchdown after halftime. That's an admirable effort right there. But eventually, 
you know, I, I keep thinking, okay, is this defense going to be able to hold up? Is is the effort still going to be there? Is the you know execution still going to be there defensively? And if it's not, the offense is going to have to step up, and they just have not been able to do that. But Zach Taylor has to, Justin, he has to know his personnel. On so, it's knowing your personnel and being consistent. If you're gonna if if you're gonna go for it on fourth down and one at your own thirty yard line up fourteen, which I did not have a problem with. Because the momentum was on your side. And if you don't get it, Zach Taylor basically said to his defense, I trust you to stop this Vikings offense, which they did. They just got a, you know, a great play on fourth down that led to a touchdown. Fine. They made them work, though. But if you're going to go for it on fourth and one from your own 30, why can't you go for it on fourth and two on, on the opponent's 40? It, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, are you so concerned with not losing because you've lost 26 times prior to Sunday that you don't want to go for it? And that might be the case, and that's understandable, but, Justin, they have got to be aggressive. Justin, you know, Kyle Shanahan, the head coach in San Francisco, I know the Niners have lost three straight games. The Niners, he, Kyle Shanahan's record through the first two seasons as head coach at San Francisco, 10-22. and 22. But, Justin, the year they went to the Super Bowl, did you see him coach aggressively with that team? All the time. Oh, okay. So, what, what did that tell you? Does he coach scared? Not at all. Not, not whatsoever. He's lost two Super Bowls because he doesn't coach scared. Say what you want about that. Hey, I say there are two sides to every story in life. You know what? You know, he's coaching aggressive. He doesn't want to give the other team the ball back. Yes, he might have confidence in his defense, but... He wants to win the game with his offense. Zach Taylor needs to win the game with his offense. We've seen it. Burrow, it, with that pass to Uzama on fourth down in overtime, that's coaching aggressive. But it has to be consistent. Don't play not to lose against a team like Green Bay. That game could have been won. You have the weapons. On third down and five from the 42, go to Tyler Boyd. Take a deep shot with Jamar Chase. Um, use T. Higgins on an out route. Go to C.J. Uzama or even P. Ryan out of the backfield who had a nice game catching on, on Sunday. On fourth and two, on, on fourth down and one from the 31, whatever it was. You know, go to Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd, Justin, as you mentioned, on third down, most dependable third down threat on this team. Maybe one of the most dependable in the league. The weapons are there. They just, ugh. Like, you, you coach aggressive at one point, but not in this point. Like, Where's the consistency? This team is 3-2. and two. This team is fine. Th th this team is competitive. I think they're a good team. I like the direction this team, this Bengals team is going in, but I just feel like there's so much more with the personnel that's there. I remember Justin eight years ago, 2013, and I don't know if, you know, and that Bengals offense was talented. Andy Dalton was having a really good, in the midst of a really good season, setting the single season record for touchdown passes in Bengals history at 33. A.J. Green had a tremendous season that year. Marvin Jones had 11 touchdowns. Tyler Eifert was, you know, a, a blossoming rookie. Um, Gio Bernard gave this offense another dimension out of the backfield. There were weapons on this offense. Jermaine Gresham as well. And I remember through the first four weeks, they had only scored 30 or more points once. They scored six points, just six points up in Cleveland. And... You know, I heard someone on ESPN, I think it was Bob Holtzman, formerly of ESPN, say, you know, this offense, this team is just not achieving what they can. They're underachieving. And then the next four weeks, 
yeah, they won a low-scoring affair with New England, but then they scored 27 against Buffalo, 27 against Detroit, 49 against the Jets, and they scored 30 or more points. Let's see, one, two, four more times the rest of the season. So they eventually came around. I'm not saying that, and that gives me the confidence that this offense will too. And I think we saw them hit their stride. Remember, Justin, last year, week six through eight, this team hit their stride right around this point of the season. Back-to-back 30-point performances against Cleveland and Tennessee. And maybe that's that's what will happen here. These three games are on the road, so it's going to be a little tougher. But against a team like Detroit, whose defense stinks, they the Bengals have to come out aggressive, Justin. They they cannot, you know, come out passive, go three and out. That can't happen. Stop on their throats. Don't give the Lions any opportunity to think they can compete in this game. And there is the question: Should the Bengals give the play calling duties to Brian Callahan, yes, the coordinator, rather than Zach Taylor? I think it's probably. You know, I don't even want to say it's too early to tell, but, I mean, I still want to give Zach Taylor a chance to show that he can do it because, at the end of the day, he's the head coach of this football team. I'm not saying that all head coaches have play calling duties, not by any means, but, you know, he is the head coach of this team. He feels confident in himself. He feels confident that he can get this team on track. And, like you mentioned, you know, we saw it about week six through eight last year that they can actually put up points. And I think they have the ability to do it. It's just aggressiveness and his play calling and I think if Zach Taylor cannot find a way to pit up 30 plus points in this game then we have to start saying okay is it time to get Brian Calic in the play calling duties and this would be my last thing I'll say about the fourth downs is you know if you're at your 50 yard line or the opposing 45 yard line and it's a fourth and two and you decide to punt it and you say okay well you know they have the ball at their own 15 yard line or 10 yard line these quarterbacks in the NFL the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Patrick Mahomes of the world, you know, used to be Big Ben. You know, the quarterbacks that we play this year, Justin Herbert, these quarterbacks are too good. They can they can operate a 90-plus yard touchdown drive. And, it's, and for them this year, it looks too easy. They're playing amazing. And so if you go into those games and you're saying, okay, well, they have to construct a 90-yard touchdown drive. Okay, why? Well, I think Justin Herbert can do that. I think Patrick Mahomes can do that. I think Lamar Jackson can do that. All guys that you're going to have to face this year, Lamar Jackson twice. So don't think for a second that these offenses are going to be any less aggressive just because they have the ball in their own territory. No, they're going to be aggressive, and these head coaches are aggressive, and that's why these teams have been winning and have won um, you know, for the past few years. And, and when you have a head coach like Harbaugh who's so confident in Lamar Jackson that he asked, he asked Jackson whether or not he wants to go for a fourth down, and Lamar Jackson says yes, they're going to go for it because he has all the confidence in the world in his quarterback. And if you decide to go for it and you don't get it, okay, well, you know, at least you're still giving your team the shot to get that fourth down and maybe score some points rather than, you know, give the ball away. Because either way, the team's going to get the, other, the ball back either if you don't get it or if you punt. And these quarterbacks are just too good. And they can operate those long touchdown, uh, you know, drives. So I think... It is going to be time to question Zach Taylor whether or not he should give up play calling duties if we can't score that many points or if we don't have a good offensive outing this game. But um, like I said earlier, I mean, if there's any game for them to do it, it would be this game. And I feel like we've said that about several games, but you're playing an 0-5 team, and it has to come now or never. Because if it doesn't come this game, then I'm really not sure in the near future when it's going to happen. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're totally right, Justin, because this is a game where you should where you should be able to 
function on offense the way you want to. This Lions team is not going to give you fits. You should come out of this game. I mean, I mean, the Bengals script their first 15 plays. Well, you should be able to come out there, make some minor adjustments, not too major, and still find a way to put up 30 points in this game. Now, here's the thing. You look at Chicago, and we, I mean, Matt Nagy was a bullseye for criticism as far as play calling through the first three weeks of the season. I'll tell you what. You can say, well, that was a coward move to give it up. No, it wasn't. It's being smart. Justin, the Bears have won their last two games. Uh, all of a sudden, they're now 3-2. and two. They have a chance to seize possession of first place in the NFC North this week with a home game against Green Bay in a game that they may have a chance in. So, I mean, that was a, a, a great decision by Matt Nagy. When you're a head coach, you have so many responsibilities in addition to if you are a play caller, which was, which is Zach, which is who Zach Taylor, which is what Zach Taylor is. Unfortunately, not everybody's Andy Reid that can call plays. You mentioned John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, and John Harbaugh has been—I mean, this is his 14th season as head coach of the Ravens. Here's the thing, though: he went through 10 plus seasons being the head coach with Joe Flacco as his quarterback. Joe Flacco can't do the things Lamar Jackson can do. And so John Harbaugh has, you know, the Ravens, I've, I've always said this, did a great job of easing Lamar Jackson into the NFL. And by the time, you know, and by this time, John Harbaugh has complete trust in him to go for it on fourth down. You have to trust your franchise quarterback. If you, I mean, it, you hear C.J. Uzama say he's Joey franchise, and you know that Joe Burrow is your, is your franchise, is your leader. Trust him. The Chargers do it in L.A. with Justin Herbert. The Ravens do it with Lamar Jackson. The Packers do it with Aaron Rodgers. The Chiefs do it with Patrick Mahomes. The Buccaneers do it with Tom Brady. If Joe Burrow is your franchise quarterback, trust him completely. He's supposed to be making Zach Taylor's job easier. But you look at some of the you know deficiencies of this offense, going long periods of time without scoring. The fact that they rank 23rd in converting third downs at just 37%. By the way, if you break it down further, Justin, listen to this. They are better at converting third and long, 43%, than third and short, 1 to 5 yards, 39%. Fun fact, that ranks 31st in the league. So what is it that when you get to these, and these are crucial situations, and this is where you grow as a play caller if you're Zach Taylor. Third and one from an opponent's 40-yard line, or third and five from an opponent's 42, as was the case on Sunday against the Packers. That's where you have to grow as a play caller. Hmm, I've got Joe Burrow. I'm going to throw here, okay? That should be the first decision automatically. I'm throwing the ball here. We're, we're going to pass it here. And then it's okay. Who do we target? Well, we've got Jamar Chase deep. We've got Jamar Chase who can run an out route or run across the middle. We've got Tyler Boyd, who's a most, who is very dependable on third down, as we mentioned. We've got T. Higgins. I mean, you have options galore. We can even run Chris Evans out of the backfield or Samaje P. Ryan or Joe Mixon when healthy. You have all these options when you decide, you know what, we're going to pass because I trust my franchise quarterback. But this team just simply, Zach Taylor does not trust his franchise quarterback. And yet, the question of should he, you know, hand over the play calling duties to Brian Callahan, I don't know. Because I've seen Zach Taylor call some, I've seen Zach Taylor grow as a play caller. I, I, I like what he's done a lot of the time. But, you know, unfortunately, Justin, what we measure is, in critical situations, how are you as a play caller? Unfortunately, not very good. 
And, you know, you can say, well, hand it off to Brian Callahan. Well, you're, you're going to say the same thing about him. You're going to measure him and his success as a play caller by his ability to call plays in those situations. But it, it, is, an, it is a very, very interesting question. It's very interesting. And as Zach Taylor has gotten more better personnel, he's not calling, you know, he's not calling plays that we think he should. And it's very frustrating. Just remember last year how many times the Bengals went for it on fourth down and how many times they got fourth down? They got it? Why aren't they doing that this year? I, I don't know. And especially with the, you know, the uptake in fourth down attempts, um, especially like you mentioned, fourth and eights, uh, you know, Brandon Staley and the Chargers and other teams have gone for it. It's not just going for it in fourth and inches or fourth and one or fourth and two. It's not the same old NFL anymore. I mean, these teams are going for it. And the statistics back it up. You know, they say if you go for it on these fourth downs, you have a better shot of winning than if not. And the only thing that concerns me is Zach Taylor's not going to have very much time to figure this out. I mean, yeah, you have the 0-5 Detroit Lions, but then you think about next weekend. You go to Baltimore, and if you think Baltimore's not going to want to rip your head off and score a 1,000 points in that game, then you're dead wrong. Because if the Bengals go in there with that same old mindset, they're going to get destroyed like that happened in the past few years by the Ravens. And you have a few games in between that, you know, I think that the Bengals should win at New York. Um, you know, Cleveland will obviously, obviously be a tough game. Um, who knows what the Raiders will be uh, by that time with a new head coach after John Gruden is out. Um, home versus Steelers. But then you think about the toward the end of the year, Chargers, 49ers, Broncos, who have had a decent year, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. I mean, you're not going to have very much time to figure it out. Yeah, it's nice to say, okay, you're tied for second in the division right now, but Pittsburgh's only one game behind you. Yeah, we killed them, and I still think Pittsburgh's going to finish last. But it's not like you're light years ahead, record-wise, of Pittsburgh. I mean, you're tied for second in the division. And yeah, right now you'd be the fifth seed in the AFC. But there's too many good teams. There's too many good quarterbacks, and there's too many head coaches to be conservative. And if there's going to be any time to figure it out, it's going to be this week. And now, you know, I don't think that I, – I don't really have any worries about it. Um, you know, I still think they're going to come out there and play a good game. Um, but with the amount of injuries that Detroit has um, – you know, the Bengals should easily put up those stats. Uh, the Lions are currently allowing 381.8 total yards per game on defense. That's 22nd in the NFL. Uh, 251.6 passing yards allowed per, per game. That's 17th. And 132 rushing yards allowed per game, which is 23rd. So it's an okay defense, but obviously they're, you know, in the bottom half of the league. So you go out there, be aggressive. If you're Joe Burrow, um, you know, make the plays. And if it's fourth and one, call your you know, call the number yourself. You know, if, if it's fourth and one and Zach Taylor's hesitant, call it yourself and maybe run for it if you even have to. I mean, obviously slide. Don't don't uh, dive and get hurt, you know, like you did against Green Bay. But, you know, be smart, play safe, and be aggressive all at the same time. Lions also are 25th in points allowed at 27.6. The Bengals, though, only are averaging 22.8 points per game. And as you have been listening to this podcast, you would uh, think that that is right because – of the struggles that we have been pointing out uh, with this offense. Uh, Bengals and Lions, Sunday, 1 o'clock. You can watch the game on Fox. Chris Myers, Daryl Johnston, Jen Hale will have the call second time that uh, that crew was called a Bengals game this season. They, of course, called the season opener against Minnesota. Uh, you can hear the game live on ESPN 1530, 102.7 WEBN, and 700 WLW. Dan Hoare, Dave Lapham, Wayne Box Miller with the call beginning at 1130. 
the Bengals lead the series against Detroit Justin 9-3. Uh, it is their highest winning percentage at 750, the highest winning percentage against any other NFL team for the Bengals. Uh, they've won nine of their last 10 games against Detroit, six straight. Uh, the last four that I can remember, 2005, they went up to Detroit, absolutely housed the Lions, 41-17, capturing the AFC North Division title that year. Uh, they beat them here in 09, uh, 23-13, uh, went on the road. Eight years ago to Detroit, you might remember this. I'm sure you remember this, Justin. Mike Nugent with a game-winning 54-yard field goal at the gun. Uh, that was that game, Justin, where Calvin Johnson, remember that catch he made over three Bengals defenders? I do remember that. I see that all the time. Anytime you ever see anything about Calvin Johnson, that's always like the first or second video that pops up. And for good reason. I mean, he absolutely mossed them over three people. I mean, it wasn't even fair. I mean, yeah. And so, I mean, I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad he's not playing, uh, you know, on Sunday because that would be, you know, that would make this a much different game than what uh, it is uh, going to be on Sunday. Uh, most certainly. Uh, A.J. Green had a great game that day. Bengals win that, won that game 27-24. Um, they won the last meeting against Detroit here in Cincinnati. I believe 27-17 was the final score. Uh, that was a game where the Bengals were already eliminated from playoff contention. It was their last home game of the regular season. It, we thought it would be Marvin Lewis's final game as head coach, final home game as head coach to the Bengals. It ultimately was not. Um, the Bengals have not lost at Detroit, Justin, um, since 1970. Think about that for a minute. They haven't lost in Detroit in 51 years. You hope that continues on Sunday. Let's get to some keys to the game, Justin. Um, I think, number one, we know what the what the first key to the game, first and foremost. Uh, protect your franchise. I mean, that's always going to be the number one. Um, do you want me to just finish out mine? Go ahead, because my, my number one is the same as yours. Yeah, so pr- protect the franchise. Um, I'm going to say pound the ball on the ground. Because Joe Mixon, uh, per Zach Taylor, will have no snap count. Uh, he won't be limited. I mean, he's expected to be uh, full force on Sunday. So it's run the ball. You know, Joe Mixon has not been the same the past couple of weeks. Obviously, suffered that injury against Jacksonville and was limited. Um, he did score a touchdown against Green Bay, but you want to give him that confidence. He was second in the league in rushing yards at one point. You want to give him that confidence moving forward, and you want to get him the ball in the passing game too. You just want to you just want to feed him because not having played very much in the last couple of weeks, I mean, your confidence might go down a little bit. You might be, um, you know, just nervous to get back out there because you don't want to get hurt again. But I think Zach Taylor and Joe Mixon know that he'll be fine. So I just want to see a heavy dose of Joe Mixon. And it's just spread the ball out more because what I feel like, and and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, I even saw some people talking about it. It's like, is Joe Burrow just going back to just targeting Jamar Chase because, he didn't target Tyler Boyd very much. He didn't target T. Higgins very much against Green Bay, and it was mostly a heavy dose of Jamar Chase. And, yeah, that's great. He had a fantastic game. He played amazing. But it's just know, you, know your personnel. And, I, and I'm going to say this every single week um, is utilize your tight ends more because we saw what happened against Jacksonville, C.J. Uzama with a game of his career. Um, two touchdowns and the you know set up the game-winning field goal with that uh, jailbreak screen. So it's utilize all your weapons, especially on third down with Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins, he's been hurt a little bit. Obviously played against Green Bay, but didn't get targeted very much. So it's, you know, you have all these guys, so don't just rely on Jamar Chase unless you absolutely have to or, you know, not even have to. Just make sure that you get all your guys the ball because at the end of the day, that's what's going to be most crucial because they're so thin a corner. Um, 
if you spread the ball out more, it's just going to be an easy day for your offense. And those, are, those are some great keys right there, and I think it goes back to what we've been talking about on this show, what the Bengals, what Zach Taylor needs to do as a play caller and what this offense needs to do. Um, obviously, my first key to the game, protect the franchise. No further explanation needed, Your Honor. Um, number two, I would say run I would say run the ball with Joe Mixon. You know, don't be afraid to give it to him, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, 20 to 25 times um, during the game. This is a team that you can run on. And we saw the Vikings do it with a backup running back in Alexander Madison last week. He had over 100 yards, I believe. Um, we saw uh, Green Bay do it with Aaron Jones, and San Francisco did it in Week One. So this is a team that you that you can run the ball against. This is a defense that is going to allow you to run your offense the way you want to. Now, if you run the ball a lot, and we saw this against Pittsburgh, does that mean? Joe Burrow only throws the ball, let's say, 22 times. If that's the case, but the Bengals put up 31 points, that's okay. You know, that's efficient right there. And if Burrow, which I think he will, if he goes, let's say, 18 of 22 for 250 and two touchdowns, great. All the more better. So run the ball with Joe Mixon. And the number three, start fast. Justin, the Bengals have only scored in the first quarter this season twice. And how many times... They go out there on their first possession, and there's no aggressive game plan. There's none. When you when you script your first 15 plays, they go, well, we'll go, you know, a flat route pass to whomever, run up the middle, and then a just a simple five-yard stop route. That's not going to get you anything. You know, that first drive against Jacksonville was probably their best first drive of the year, and ultimately, unfortunately, led to a missed field goal. But I'm seeing, you know, a team with all the weapons that they have, if you start fast and you put the defense in a hole early, that's all the more better, right? So start fast. Come out, you know, if, if the Bengals win the coin toss, which they're the visiting team, so they'll be calling it. If they win, they're going to defer, and I think their defense will get a stop. Come out in your next possession and just stomp on the Lions' throats. This is a Lions team that, yes, is better than the record shows, I think, but they're not that good. They're not world beaters. Um, so those are my three keys to the game. Protect Joe Burrow, obviously, first and foremost. Run the ball with Joe Mixon. He's not going to be limited this week, as you said, Justin, which is very good. Bengals are 9-7 and seven, um, when Joe Mixon reaches the 20-carry mark. I believe that is under Zach. Um, or is that just in general? 9-7 uh, and seven when he reached the 20-carry mark. In those 16 games, he has 100 rushing yards 10 times. Um, nine of his last 12 games with 20 or more carries have resulted in 100-yard rushing performances. Uh, 29 carries against Minnesota, 20 against Chicago. Um, and the Bengals do have that ability, I believe, with Joe Mixon to run the ball 20-plus times. And then start fast. You know, don't let the Lions hang around. The Vikings almost lost last week because they let Detroit hang around, and Detroit nearly got them in the final minute. The same thing nearly happened to Baltimore. The same thing nearly happened to San Francisco. Um, well, they just let him back, let them back into the game. The same thing was happening for a first half against Green Bay. You know, you cannot let this bad things happen when you let bad teams hang around. Don't let that happen. Uh, Justin, let's go to Detroit's quarterback, Jared Goff. Here's a quarterback who was traded in the offseason from the Rams to Detroit. Matthew Stafford goes to L.A. Clearly one team is favoring, is uh, benefiting much better than the other. 
Goff so far this season, 66.8 completion percentage, 1,303 yards, seven touchdowns, three picks. He's been sacked 14 times. Um, for an offensive line that, you know, has some good talent, although now Frank Ragnow, of course, on injured reserve, we don't know if Taylor Decker is going to play this week. I believe he is. Or I should say he is because he came off injured reserve on Wednesday. Uh, you don't know the status of Jonah Jackson, though. This is a, a quarterback, Justin, who went to a Super Bowl just three years ago, but since then has yet to replicate what was a really successful 2018 season for him. And when you go from having Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and almost all the weapons in the world to, you know, what we talked about earlier is a very uh, thin wide receiver group of the Detroit Lions, it's going to be very hard to have any success, no matter how good of a quarterback you are. And, you know, obviously some quarterbacks like, you know, the Tom Brady's of the world or the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew Brees can, you know, make do with any roster. But Jared Goff is obviously not that. But, um, you know, it's going to be difficult. And so you do have DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams back there. DeAndre Swift leading the team in receiving yards and more than any receiver. Jamal Williams did not practice yesterday with a hip and uh, also illness. So it is two to be determined whether or not he's going to play on Sunday. DeAndre Swift has been limited all week with a groin injury. But even if either of those guys play, they're obviously not going to be completely healthy. Um, and then we talked about it. They're so thin a wide receiver. Jared Goff is going to have to force the ball several times because this Bengals defense is secondary, you know, in particular has been very, very good. So I could see a two-interception day for the Bengals, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals did do that. Um, that's going to be my bold prediction for this week is that Shadobi Wuzier and Jesse Bates get an interception. Jesse Bates gets his first interception of the season. Um, obviously, he's been dealing with a little bit of a neck injury. That's probably something that he's going to have to play through the rest of the year. Um, so I can foresee an interception from Jesse Bates, his first of the year, and Shadobi Wuzier. He's been playing fantastic. And uh, two interceptions is going to be my prediction, my bold prediction for this week. Now that you say that, I really think Jesse Bates is close. He had a fantastic game last week against Green Bay with some hard hits. And I do feel like it is close for him getting that first interception. He had three last year. He's had three in each of his first three seasons. I do feel like it is coming. The Bengals, by the way, are tied for 21st in the NFL with a minus two turnover differential. They turned the ball over two times last week. They intercepted Green Bay once. No turnovers against Jacksonville. It was um, two to one in favor of the Bengals at Pittsburgh, four to one uh, in favor of the Bears in, in week two, and then it was one nothing Bengals in favor of them in week one. So, you know, obviously um, the turnover differential is still a concern, but I do feel like the Bengals are making plays when they need to. So Jared Goff, to me, Justin, one thing that he had in those two seasons with the Rams, or two things I should say, in those two seasons, 2017 and 2018, when he was a top 10 quarterback, in my opinion, a head coach in Sean McVay, who we know is one of the best, you know, in the game, one of the best offensive minds, and Todd Gurley. By the way, where is Todd Gurley these days? Uh, is he a free agent? Last time I know, he was, he was with Atlanta. He was with Atlanta last year, and it's it, it's it's crazy to me how you go from being an MVP candidate in 2017 and being the best running back in the in the NFL potentially, and he has fallen off a cliff. Essentially, it feels like. And Jared Goff had him. The Rams were a run-first team. Everything they did fed off of their run game and their play action. Um, and I do feel like in Detroit, Justin, here's, here's a, um, a stat for you. And should we see both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams 
play. They're the going into last week, they were the only running back tandem with 125 rushing yards each and 90 receiving yards each. So this team will utilize their running backs. And I think they will utilize them a lot this week because they don't have a downfield threat. They do not have a downfield threat. Quintus Cephas is their only downfield threat. Amon Rossi Brown's not that. He's a possession receiver. TJ Hawkinson, he's not Gronk. He's not Travis Kelsey. Or even though Travis Kelsey, I mean, he's more of a... Travis Kelsey doesn't have that downfield threat that I might be saying something that's wrong, but I feel like Travis Kelsey doesn't have the same downfield threat as Gronk has, okay, or George Kittle for that matter. TJ Hawkinson, I'm not worried about him beating the Bengals' defense deep. I'm not worried about anybody, quite frankly. It's going to be interesting to see. I think the Lions are going to live off of play action, dinking and dunking to the running backs, maybe some bootlegs from Jared Goff that I saw against Minnesota. That's what I'm, you know, thinking we're going to see in this game. Jared Goff, you know, he's. it's hard to believe he's only in his sixth season in the league, so he should be entering his prime. But unfortunately, you know, because he got traded to a team that, let's be honest, is not very good, he's in a tough situation. He does not have anybody to throw to, even though Anthony Lynn is offensive coordinator, who we saw do some good things in Buffalo in 2015 and 2016 and some good things out in L.A., taking the Chargers to the playoffs in 2018 with a good offense led by Phillip Rivers. That This offense just has not clicked, and they have the protection, you know, to unleash the, the offense at opposing defenses. They just haven't done it. And... Jared Goff is a guy I've always been a fan of. I think he's better than people give him credit for. Former number one overall pick, second time this season, the Bengals and Joe Burrow are facing a number one overall pick. So fellow number one overall picks squaring off, Burrow for the Bengals, Goff for the Lions. 2016 was Goff uh, drafted out of California. So um, he, there is some talent to him. He did. He flourished under Sean McVay, unfortunately. Sean McVay and the Rams had a different direction they wanted to go, and they ultimately traded him to the Lions. And unfortunately, Goff is now in a situation where he's on an 0-5 team that's not going to the playoffs most likely and does not have anybody to throw to. Let's go to the other side, Justin. I was struck by something I saw today, and I wanted to ask you your opinion on this. The AFC North Athletic Beat Riders do their weekly whip-around where they basically talk about the teams they cover, there's questions or prompts that are asked, and all four weigh in. Well, one of the questions that was asked this week was, who is a player from the team you cover who needs to play much better for the team to get to where it wants to be? Jay Morrison, who participates every week in this whip around, says this, end quote. As good as he's been, Joe Burrow is still the answer here. He's already thrown six interceptions this season after throwing only five in ten games last year. His yards per attempt, completion percentage, and passer rating are all light years ahead of where they were last year. But the Bengals aren't good enough to overcome some of the poor decisions Burrow has made when throwing the picks. He never threw multiple interceptions in a game last year. This year, he's done it twice, and those are the Bengals' two losses. Again, he's still been pretty good. But if the Bengals are going to go where they want to go, they need Burrow to carry them by being great. Wide receiver T. Higgins is a close second, end quote. When I read that, Justin, I was struck. That's some harsh criticism right there. For a, a beat writer and others who have never really criticized Joe Burrow, Jay Morrison laid it out there in this um, in this article. What do you make of that? 
Yeah, I, I agree with Jay. I mean, three interceptions in week two against Chicago. Threw an interception on the first play of overtime last week against Green Bay. And in a few games and a few stretches of the game and the rest of the, the rest of the season so far, I mean, he's not played very great. And we've talked about it on the show before. Is like, we will criticize Joe Burrow when needed. We're not going to make excuses for Joe Burrow. We're not going to say, oh, that, you know, that interception was due to a, you know, missed pass interference or due to the play call or whatever it may be. If it's a bad play, then it's a bad play. And if he makes a bad throw, then it's a bad throw. I mean, he has made some pretty bad decisions, some very poor decisions. But the only thing I have to say is, you know, Jay Morrison says he has to play great. Like, we all know that he can play, but we all know Joe Burrow is only in his second year. We all know that he had that devastating injury last year. And he's still coming back from that. He is still learning. He is still only in his second year in the NFL. So if you're expecting Joe Burrow to come out and be the next Tom Brady and the next Aaron Rodgers through one and a half seasons, then you're dead wrong. Not even a, not even a full season yet, or just about a full season of games played that he has. And if you're expecting him to already be on the Aaron Rodgers or the Drew Brees or the Tom Brady's or the, you know, any of the great quarterbacks in NFL history, then you're dead wrong. And we all know that Joe Burrow can be that. We all know that eventually he can be that, that, I mean, I think that he will be that. And so it's frustrating when he does make those bad throws or throw those interceptions because you're like, he's supposed to be this, he's supposed to be that. But, you know, right out of the gate, it's not always going to be like that. Peyton Manning threw, what, 18 interceptions his rookie year? 28. Or 20 or something like that? So, yeah, 20, I knew it was a ton. He threw a ton of interceptions his rookie year. And if you think that he had an MVP season in his second year, he didn't. And it's just going to be Joe Burrow is going to continue to learn and get better and better as the season goes on and, you know, cut down on the mistakes. And he will. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that he will. And it's all going to come with, you know, talking to Zach Taylor, understanding why a certain play went the way that it did, you know, why they're not winning a certain game or why they're, you know, down. I mean, it's just how the NFL goes. And like I said, he'll get there. He will get there. And I understand the criticism, but, you know, it's just hard for me to say that, like, I, that I expect him to be on that level of the great quarterbacks because, I mean, it's still a learning process and he's still so young that it's just hard for me to say that, you know, he deserves the most criticism of anyone on the team. Unfortunately, when you're the quarterback, Justin, that automatically warrants you to criticism if you're not performing well. I'm not saying Burrow's not performing well. I think he's performing admirable. Well, let me backtrack. He is performing. But Jay Morrison brings up a great point. In the three games the Bengals have won, Joe Burrow has thrown for seven touchdowns and one interception. And that one interception was off a tip ball going deep to Tyler Boyd. And we both said, Justin, that was at Pittsburgh, by the way. We both said, Justin, after that interception, we both said on, on a recap show that night that we were both fine with, you know, the play. Because it was an aggressive play call. And it was a tip ball. I was totally okay with it. Now, obviously not that it ended up in an interception. but And by the way, the Bengals got the ball back on their ensuing defensive possession with the inter, with the interception by Logan Wilson. So, that's fine. But, in the two games the Bengals have lost, Burrow has four touchdowns to five interceptions. And Justin, those three interceptions in Chicago, two of them are completely on him. The first one, the pick six to Roquan Smith, he was trying to hit Tyler Boyd over the middle. 
the linebacker's reading the play the entire time. And then the second interception on a simple out route to T. Higgins or hitch route. The cornerback's sitting on it the entire time. The third interception, fine. He got hit. Ball came loose. Okay. But, Justin, I think about the Green Bay game. The first interception was egregious. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to make a play. Throw it away. Throw it away. Just throw the ball away. And then the second interception, whatever the hell that was, to Devondre Campbell in the first play of overtime. You know who Joe Barr reminds me of, Justin? is Carson Palmer. Because Palmer, unfortunately, became a quarterback who, as great as he was early on with this team, as great as he was, you kind of lived and died by him. Because he did make some mistakes. He did make some boneheaded mistakes. 2007, he threw, I believe, 20 interceptions that year. Not good. Okay? Burrow, I think we forget, he's only in his second year. That was only his 15th start on Sunday of his career. 15. And what's unfortunate was he missed so much of last year, a lot of games where he could have shown some good things. Giants... Cowboys, Texans, Washington, those are four wins right there. I think those are four wins in addition to beating the Steelers. So he missed so much of what could have been uh, what could have been some growing um, growing games, um, some games where he flourished and got better. He's still learning. But I look at the schedule coming up and I see some winnable games. Detroit, the Jets. Ravens don't completely scare me. I think they are a challenge. But, you know, it's a game the Bengals, I think, can maybe compete in. We forget that Burrow's only in his second year. Well, Jay Morrison's right. You know, some of the decisions he's made have simply not been good. And sometimes you, you, you'd watch Carson Palmer back in the day with the Bengals 15 years ago, and he made some decisions that would make you want to pull your hair out. And for as great as Burrow is, A, we forget he's only in his second year, like I've already mentioned, and B, He's made some questionable decisions. In the games the Bengals have won, he's been very accurate with the football. In games the Bengals have lost, he hasn't been. But the one thing about Joe Burrow, he can make a mistake, and then he comes right back and makes a great throw. Against Chicago, throws three picks, hits Jamar Chase on a 42-yard touchdown. Against Green Bay, after the first interception, comes right back, leads a brilliant game-tying touchdown drive. Looked like a 10-year veteran. After the interception on the first play of overtime, he gets gifted by a Mason Crosby missed field goal, one of three. Hits Jamar Chase on a back shoulder throw that might be the best throw I've seen him make in his time here in Cincinnati so far. The thing about Burrow, he will bounce back from his mistakes. He will. He just can't consistently make them. Burrow's got 11 touchdowns and six interceptions through the first five games. He's got about 1,200 yards passing. He's completing over 70% of his passes. There's so much good, but if he, he needs to clean up his mistakes. But he's only in his second season. There's still plenty of time. For him to do that. And never let your lows get too low. And never let your highs get too high. Exactly. Knows that. He's one of the most even-keeled players. Not even just quarterbacks, but players in the entire NFL. And you mentioned it. If he's going to make a mistake, he's going to bounce back from it. Um, it's one of the most impressive things I've seen any quarterback in the NFL do before. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks, if they make a mistake, they'll make another mistake and another mistake. And that's what he did against Chicago. But then he came back. Touchdown to Jamar Chase. Interception by Logan Wilson immediate touchdown to T. Higgins. So, yeah, he made those mistakes. But 
he's not going to get down on himself. You know, he's confident in what he can do, and the, everyone knows that he's confident, and we're all confident in him. I mean, he is the guy for this team. He's going to be the quarterback for this team for many years to come. So if you're, not, if you're expecting absolute perfection every single game, every single play, every single season from Joe Burrow, that's not going to happen because the guy's going to make mistakes. He can't throw 40 touchdowns and one interception all year. I mean, it's just you're, you're, you're bound to make those mistakes every now and then, but it's better that he makes those mistakes now than week 13 or 14 and, you know, so on from then because those are going to be the games that's going to really matter when you're trying to make that playoff push toward the end of the year. So as long as he makes those mis- cleans up those mistakes by then, then I, I'm fine with it, but it just can't happen too often. Uh, from here on out, because this is really when you're going to want to start winning some of these easy games that you have left, like Detroit and like New York. Um, so, you know, get the mistakes out of the way now, and then by the time it comes to play the Chiefs and the Ravens and, you know, even the Steelers and the Browns again, then those mistakes are going to be cut down on uh, by a lot. The other thing about Joe Burrow, Justin, I don't know if you saw this live. On the interception in overtime to Devondre Campbell, he made the tackle. And whether or not you think he should have been even trying to tackle, you know, Devondre Campbell, here's the thing. If the Bengals go on to win the game Sunday, had gone on to win the game against Green Bay, that's a play that should be talked about immensely. Burrow made the tackle, saving who knows what. This guy has a competitive edge, plays with immensely great effort. That's what you want in your franchise quarterback. It's an admirable play. And at the end of the day, I mean, we have one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. We have one of the one of the best offensive cores in the entire NFL. One of the, one of the better defenses in the entire NFL. Um, and they're only going to continue to get better and better as the season goes on. Same with the offense. And you have a you know a head coach who's still learning. He's in his third year, but you know even into your third year, you're still learning a lot. And you still don't know everything. Um, you know, there's probably only a handful of coaches in the entire NFL that have seen everything and done everything. And so they're accustomed to a lot of the situations. But, you know, most of these guys are still only in their second, third, fourth year. And Zach Taylor is one of them. So he's still learning. Um, you know, it's only his second year with Joe Burrow and, you know, a lot of new weapons on offense, a lot of new faces on both sides of the ball. So, you know, it is what it is for now. But they're three and two. They're second in the division. And right now they're in the playoffs. And I wish the season could end right now, but, you know, that's not how it works. So go to Detroit, beat them, you know, take advantage of all the injuries, play the best game that you played on offense all season. And, you know, you go into Baltimore 4-2 and and, you know, maybe you win that game. Let's get to our score predictions. A great point there, Justin, you bring up because you don't know. I mean, Herbert's only in his second year. Staley's in his first season as head coach. I mean, the Chargers could have a letdown performance against Baltimore Sunday. That's a West Coast team going to an East Coast road game. I mean, Herbert may struggle at times this season. You, you never know. Um, so, you, you, yeah, I mean, these quarterbacks are as great as they are. Look, I mean, they're human. They're going to make mistakes. Score predictions, then we'll get to uh, games we're also looking forward to this week around the NFL. Justin, for me, um, like I said, my, I think my biggest key to the game is start fast. Because you have to against this team. You can't let this Lions team hang around. You know, you hear Jared Goff said something really um, that stood something that stood out to me in his press conference this week. Um, he says it's not hard to move on because that's who Dan Campbell is. And from a tough loss where you saw Dan Campbell as emotional as he was after that against the Vikings, you know, 
I think this team is really starting to take on that personality with them. But my thing is they don't have the talent and the personnel to compete in this game, I think. I do think they will just because the Bengals are still struggling offensively. I think they will maybe struggle a little bit on Sunday. And there could be that, that hangover, carryover from the Green Bay game. But when it comes down to it, I think the Bengals win, get the job done 27-17. to 17. And, you know, you mentioned it. The, the Detroit Lions just do not have the talent and the personnel. It's kind of like the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019. You have your rookie head coach. You have a veteran quarterback. You have some pieces on offense and defense. But overall, you're just not talented enough to win these games. And you can stay close in some of these games. But, you know, you don't have that experience to win them. And, you know, I think it'll be another year or two before Dan Campbell and the Lions can actually be where the Bengals are at now where you have your quarterback and you have all the weapons, and you have a good defense, and then finally you can put it all together, and you actually know how to win those games. So um, I think that the Bengals will finally cross that 30-point threshold like they did in Week 16 last year against the Houston Texans. I predict 34-23. to I can honestly see this game being pretty close at half. You know, I can see the Detroit Lions staying in this game, but I think the Bengals, at the end of the day, they're too talented, um, and they have so much more firepower than the Lions, and 34-23 is my prediction. When we put the Bengals at 4-2, and two, potentially in first place in the AFC North, tied with the Baltimore Ravens. Justin, the Ravens have a huge game this Sunday against the LA Chargers, a highly anticipated showdown in Baltimore between two quarterbacks who are uh, candidates for NFL MVP. That's a game I'm sure we're both looking forward to. Is that the game you're most looking forward to, though, this week? Uh, I think so. I mean... It's definitely going to be very explosive. A lot of points scored. I mean, it's two of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. So, yeah, I'm excited. But I'm, you know what I'm even more excited for is um, once the Arizona Cardinals finally get Zach Ertz on offense. I know he's not going to be able to play this week for Philadelphia. Or, sorry, excuse me, for Arizona after playing a game this week for Philadelphia. But once he gets there and they have DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, uh, and all the weapons that they have now, that's going to be the team that I'm most excited to watch. Um, trying to think of any other other game. I really don't think of any other games that I'm most excited to watch. I'll tell you, there's there's one other game, two two really. One I'm really looking forward to. That's Monday Night Football uh, in Nashville. The Bills taking on the Titans. The Bills have looked unbelievably good the last four weeks of the season. Uh, Tennessee three and two. Don't really know how good they are. Um, they could though, you know, pull an upset here. This. Monday night, the Bills are coming off a win at Kansas City. You don't know if they're going to, you know, be able to come back together, come back down to earth, so to speak, go into Nashville and play another very good game. I think the Titans can match up with Buffalo physicality-wise. Um, I should say physically. I think Buffalo wins that game on a field goal. Uh, another game, Justin's interesting to me this week, the Raiders at the Broncos. First division game for both teams. Two teams that have lost two straight games each. Winner of that game, potentially tied with the Chargers for first place in the AFC West. The loser, I don't know. Things could start to unravel a little bit with three straight losses. And I'm interested to see how the Raiders will be without John Gruden and how they're going to respond to all of everything that's happened this past week. Um, we'll see. You know, Broncos have been playing tough. Obviously, they started off hot 3-0, but then they've lost the last two. And, you know, obviously, that kind of had to deal with a Teddy Bridgewater injury or concussion. Other. Uh, um, but, you know, he came back, and they didn't necessarily play very well last week. Um, I'm also interested to see the Steelers and Seahawks because, as we all know, Russell Wilson is probably out for two, maybe even uh, two months, maybe even longer, and see how the Steelers 
um, react without Juju Smith-Schuster, one of their best offensive weapons, Sunday night football game uh, in Pittsburgh. So we will see. I mean, I don't know if Geno Smith can lead the Seahawks team to the playoffs and, you know, actually bring them back because uh, it already looks like their season's taking the turn for the worst. But we will see, and I'm interested to see if the Steelers can actually turn their season around after starting very poorly. They were able to run the ball last week with Najee Harris, 147 yards. They beat a, a good Denver team, at least, that's been that way for them to start the season. Uh, that game, to me, the loser of that game, maybe uh, on the outside looking in, the winner uh, kind of resurrects their season uh, just a little bit. So we'll be back Sunday night to recap the Bengals-Lions mashup Sunday at Ford Field in Detroit. Bengals 3-2, and Lions 0-5. Again, 1 o'clock game on Fox. Justin and I both think the Bengals are going to win. We've given you our keys to the game. You know, we've, we've hashed out some criticism we have with the Bengals, but we've also looked at the positives. Um, and, and that positive to me, Justin, is you play Green Bay to a three-point game, you're doing some things right. I think we have to agree on that. I agree. I mean, you didn't win the game. You should have won the game at some points. But at the end of the day, it was just kind of a free show with all the missed field goals and, you know, I think the better team won at the end of the day, but the Bengals had their shot. And, you know, keeping the Green Bay Packers at 22 points in regulation is something that we shouldn't uh, blink at. Not only did the better team win, the more aggressive team won. That's going to do it for us today. For Justin Cashman, I'm Alex Frank. This has been the Welcome to the Jungle Podcast Week 6 Preview. The Bengals at the Lions, 1 o'clock Sunday on Fox and on ESPN 1530. 1027 WEBN and 700 WLW, those three flagship stations for the Cincinnati Bengals. First, Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Justin and I are back Sunday night to recap the game. And until then, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Sunday night.